0: Welcome back to The Big Wake-Up Call. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and time to chat with my next guest, who is the author of a lovely, delightful new kids' book called Chloe's Lunar New Year. And we are going to visit with Lily Lamotte. And, uh, Lily, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to be here.
0: How are you? How are things going where you are?
1: I'm doing good. Um, it's a little bit early. It's kind of still dark outside, but... It's wonderful to be talking to you.
0: Well, I have to tell you, if you need any sort of test market, I have a seven-year-old daughter, and as soon as this book came in, she kind of grabbed it away from me, so she spent more time with it initially than I did. So if that's your target audience, you have a winner. Oh,
1: that's wonderful to hear. Oh, I'm so glad. Tell her I should thank you for reading my book.
0: So this is um, your first book, for children your first uh, picture book tell us some of the uh, what what went into this
1: i spent a very long time writing this book one of the things that is so interesting about picture books is that they are usually 500 words or less and you know you would think that something so short would be so easy to write but it's actually the opposite it's almost like writing a poem and the fewer words you have, the more that each word is you know, important yeah. and needs to be just the right one. So also about picture books is that it is really a collaboration, a partnership between the writer and the illustrator. So I provide the text, but then I also need to leave, to leave room for the illustrator to bring her own experience and her, her own imagination to the process.
0: So tell me about the collaboration between you and the artist, because I've heard different uh, authors and artists work together different ways. You're providing the story. Are you giving any guidance to the the illustrations or what you'd like the characters to be? Or do you know the illustrator is going to bring those to life?
1: Well, the usual advice is that when you're writing a picture book, you don't want to give directions to the illustrator Mm -hmm. because... They have their own part to play in the process. But there are times when you really do need illustrator notes. So, for example, in the spread where basically uh, the family, Chloe specifically, is remembering a mom, That is an illustrator note that I gave the illustrator to tell her what was happening on that page since there are no words. And usually, a lot of times, editors will strip out all those directions from the writer. Mm-hmm. But in this case, my wonderful uh, editor, Clarissa Wong, she had me put in a few extra illustrator notes just to make sure that the the artist knew what specifically I had in mind.
0: Well, and that uh, and the wordless page you're talking about, I, I was very touched by that about the family. Um Honoring their grandmother, and that's that's. I don't know that that may, having recently lost my grandmother, that kind of made me tear up. I just thought it was a beautiful scene.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. I, so, I part of the um, part of Chloe's Lunar New Year is that you know we have all these loved ones, right? And as long as we hold them in our hearts, we they are still with us. And um, I'm so glad that you know. My book was Touched Your Heart.
0: And I guess we should back up a little bit because I didn't ask. Can you briefly uh, tell us what the story is about?
1: Well, basically, there are many traditions of Lunar New Year in Asia, and each country will have their own traditions. For example, in Taiwan this year, it is the year of the rabbit. But in Vietnam, it is the year of the cat. And Korea has its own traditions too. So in Chloe's Lunar New Year, I am talking about reunion dinner, which happens on Lunar New Year's Eve. And basically, the whole family from uh, not you know doesn't really depend on where they are. They will come, and everyone gathers to to celebrate the brand new year. And it's a time of feasting and of uh, coming together. And it's just a wonderful holiday that way. So in Chloe's Lunar New Year, it is Lunar New Year's Eve, and they're getting ready for reunion dinner. So one of the things they do is, you know, they clean out the house to make sure that, you know, uh, it's nice and clean, and you want to get rid of some worn things, and that just room for new prosperity and luck and all sorts of wonderful things to come into your home in the new year. And then, of course, they get together and they prepare a feast of all sorts of different traditional Taiwanese foods, but also because, you know, they're also American, and so they also bring in the new tradition of having apple pie which is also delicious
0: i love that i like the contrast between apple pie and then something i, I never would have considered or heard of but um, when they're talking about the turnip cake, i'm kind of like you know what I, I would be interested in trying that are these typical foods that would be eaten only at a celebration like this or or in uh, in certain asian cultures is turnip cake a popular uh, popular dish
1: I'm not sure about turnip cake being popular in other Asian countries, Mm -hmm. but it is very popular in Taiwan. And uh, it's actually made from daikon radish.
0: Oh, okay. So I'm
1: not sure why it's called turnip. Yeah, it's a very long, white root, and the texture is very fine. Once you shred it, it it basically disappears into the rice flour. So it's not like eating... A, um, I think our equivalent would be like a carrot cake, which is also root vegetable. And, you know, we all enjoy carrot cake, especially cream cheese frosting.
0: And then you have a recipe in the book for fortune cake, which sounds delicious. Was this of particular importance to you to include?
1: Well, fortune cake is very popular at Lunar New Year. and. One of the reasons is because when you steam it, the top will split open, and it looks either like a flower or a smile. And so, Aww. you know, it's a very joyful cake in that way.
0: Well, it's a beautiful new book, Elsie uh, Gatenby approved. It is Chloe's Lunar New Year. It is now available where books are sold. The author is my guest, Lily Lamott, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And may I um, just mention that if anyone wants a personalized signed copy, they can go to Imprint Bookstore, hello at imprintbookstore.com, and oh, I'd perfect. be so happy to personalize a copy.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, Lily, thank you so much. Appreciate it, and uh, great talking to you. Thank you. And welcome back to the show. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and time to chat with my next guest. You know, millions of kids have grown up with the BrainQuest series of books. Now there is a My First BrainQuest series for babies and toddlers, which is a fantastic idea. And uh, joining me to talk about it, we have the Editorial Director of Educational Resources at Workman. We're going to visit with Karen Edwards. Karen, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ryan. Thank you for having me. This is such a great idea to have these out for babies and toddlers. I have older sons who are graduated from college now, which it's hard to believe. And I know at some point in their development, they were using BrainQuest books. Introducing these for babies and toddlers, what kind of development goes into that? Because that has to be a different sort of process, obviously, than than, uh, developing it for older kids.
2: Yes, um, a process for older kids um, basically requires us working with teachers and and thinking about standards and what the classroom experience is. Now, the My First Brain Quest books are for children ages zero to four, so they're not in a classroom. And what we have to do is think about um, early childhood development. So instead of working with uh, teachers and standards, we work with early literacy experts and with early learning experts and um, librarians and um, you know parents, people whose life basically is based on knowing how a child learns and learning how we can reach them on their level and help move them to where they need to be.
0: I think there's something about a board book, especially one as as fun and beautifully illustrated as these, just as a parent. I don't know, maybe it takes me back to when when my kids were younger. But then I think there's also a universal appeal because my daughter is almost eight, my youngest, she saw these come in and, and, and grab the books and she was delighted with them. And and I think part of it is she's proud of herself that she's learned everything here and has moved on. Yeah,
2: they're very engaging and appealing to the eye. And I'm, I'm so glad that your daughter gave her a stamp of approval Um it's it is a mark of of um, you know of, of pride to be able to read all the way through a book you know and maybe find things in a book that somebody younger might not be able to relate to or catch onto certain humorous um, illustrations in right. a book that might be um, geared towards the older kids than to the younger.
0: One thing I noticed in the series, and, and I don't think this was, you know, when, when my older kids were, were growing up with board books, I didn't see such a commitment to diversity in the illustrations. And it's nice to have uh, more people represented.
2: Yes, I think one of the important things that kids need is is to see themselves on the page, to right. see their families on the page, to see where they live on the page. Um, it, it's always um, encouraging to have. To, you know, your life to have you reflected back at you as you're reading. And it also broadens the experience of the child um, who who is traditionally on the page. They're seeing things that they might not usually see. And that just makes the world a better place.
0: And in addition to that, I just noticed how things are improving in, in children's books, that there are more uh, girl characters. The girls are featured more in different kinds of stories because I say my daughter's almost eight. I want her to grow up knowing there are limitless possibilities and she can achieve anything she wants.
2: Exactly. Exactly. We want to portray a balance. And we want, we definitely want kids to know that they can be anything they want and represent them, especially in non traditional roles, like in STEM roles or doing things right. that traditionally had been kind of earmarked for boys or for, or show boys in situations that were traditionally earmarked for, um, for girls, but just to show that they can define their own limitations. They can reach whatever, you know, milestones they want and it won't be based on gender.
0: Now, you talk about developing these with an, an early childhood education focus. Once once they are developed or in development, are these tested on kids? Or are they kind of shown? Did you have like a kid parent sort of focus group or anything like that? We
2: definitely show them to children and to parents, and have them read by children and parents, and gather feedback. Um, usually by then, we've had the you know the educational soundness in place. So it might be a matter of you know tweaking um, the way art is represented, making sure that you know that there are no ambiguities, just to make sure that the message is clear and direct, and that children are receiving the um, the concepts in the way that we intended.
0: Well, I want to talk about the, the books in the series. And, and one of them I have here was, was my daughter's favorite, which is, uh, my first brain quest, first word, science around us, a question and answer book. And, and by the way, there's a, a rocket ship going presumably to, to someplace with a mouse in the window. So right away you've got the kids involved. Um, this is a great way to introduce kids to science. Is that your aim? Just to kind of get in on a basic level and say, look, kids, science is all around us
2: exactly science is is science should be demystified and we what we wanted to avoid was having kids go into preschool and um kindergarten and being faced with science and think that this is something that is complex. We wanted to bring science down to the children's level, let it meet them where they are and have them identify science in their lives. It's a part of their life. How does it work in the doctor's office? How does it work in the kitchen? You know, how do we keep food cold? How do we keep food hot? Um, What types of food are nutritious on that basic level? And on the playground, how do things move? How do you move when you're sliding down the slide or swinging on the swing? Um, So all of that is science, and all of of these are situations that kids can relate to. So if we introduce science on that level, then it really makes it something that kids can personalize and and feel is accessible to them.
0: Now, see, now I just recall, and I went to grade school in the 80s, I just remember feeling like when you talked about science and we had our little science class, you know, it was experiments and and beakers in test tubes. I don't feel like we were really yes. taught the the uh, practical science or the everyday uses of science. That seems like that's something that has developed since then because I would have enjoyed it so much more.
2: Absolutely. And the earlier you introduce it, the more natural it seems to you.
0: And then the other one I have here, and of course you have to have um an abc book but this isn't just you know okay this is it f is for fox and such and such but then you're getting kids to develop it like okay you have uh roosters ride the rails but then asking questions what sound does a rooster make can you count what's on the page what else begins with that the abc books are nice but i like how brain quest just goes a little bit further gets the kids uh, more engaged as they're learning the alphabet
2: exactly um it's it's this feature is is a great feature in, and it appears in all of our board books. Um, each page in the board books feature a panel of targeted questions that encourage interactive reading. And these questions support the parent and the caregiver in helping the child to interact with the content on the, on the page in a deeper way. So yes, we're asking them to count. We're asking them to identify colors and shapes and to talk about things like, you know, what sound does a rooster make? Can you crow like a rooster? All of these open the um, doors to a deeper conversation and goes beyond just reading the content on the page. So, I mean, we have the fun alliteration, we have the super engaging illustrations, but what really drives home the concepts are the conversations that the children have with their parents about what they see and what they hear within the pages of these books.
0: And six fun new books in the My First Brain Quest series. We talked about science around us, ABCs also included, Around the Home, One, Two, Threes, Colors, and Shapes. These are available where children's books are sold. My guest is the Editorial Director of Educational Resources at Workman Publishing, Karen Edwards. And Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you. (laughs)